Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everybody, to the 14th episode of a little hockey podcast we call Biscuits, colon, a hockey podcast. I'm Dave Lozo. I am not in New York. I am in my home in New Jersey because it snowed here, and uh, no one wanted to leave their homes to go anywhere today, which was the right call. So I'm recording to you live in my underwear in my apartment. Just wanted to paint the picture for you. Uh, And Sean, I think Sean's still here. Hi, Sean. Hello, Dave. Yeah, I'm here uh, in Ottawa where... Also, nobody wants to leave their homes or apartments, mainly just because it's Ottawa, and there's no reason to. There's nothing to do. <laughs> there's stuff to do in Ottawa, isn't there's there? There's like three things. Skate in the canal, get a beaver tail, and go sit in the parking lot outside the Senators Arena for three hours after a game. I'm embarrassed to tell you that, A, I've never had a beaver tail, and I'm still not really entirely sure what a beaver tail is. Is it is it ice cream? No. it's And honestly, you're not, you're not missing much. <laughs> I can tell you, as somebody who, who like came to Ottawa later in their life. Everybody in Ottawa raves about these things. It's just, it's a piece of bread with sugar on it. That's it. That's all it is. Wait, like a, like a churro? Is it, is it, is it churro-esque? Pretty much. It's, it's a similar concept. Yeah. It's, it's just with some like cinnamon and some syrup maybe, or, you know, there's different versions, but it's, that's, that's all that it is. They hype it up. It's not even made from real beaver either, is it? Uh, rarely. No, you have to pay extra for that. <laughs> Uh, so what's going on? What's the hockey world want to talk about today? The Boston Bruins finally, finally getting around to making a call on Claude Julien, and the call being that they fired him on Tuesday morning, right when everybody else in Boston was at a parade, which made everybody very sad because parades are fun, and firing your coach is is slightly less fun. What do you think? Right call, wrong call? Surprised? Not surprised? Well, it's interesting to me that they waited so long to do it when pretty much since Don Sweeney and Cam Neely became the co-joint GMs way. It's funny, like the, the Don Sweeney, Cam Neely dynamic is probably not unlike the Trump, Steve Bannon dynamic where like Don Sweeney's the GM, he's in charge, but really it's Cam Neely pulling all the strings and making all the bad decisions that are ruining something. And Cam Neely, I think finally wore down Don Sweeney and said, Hey, let's, let's finally do this. But at the same time, here's the thing is, is, is Claude Julian's, probably one of the three best coaches in the NHL. He's not a bad coach. He has, he's, he's not getting fired because he's bad at his job or anything. It's just 
he's been there 10 years. The team is on the decline. It's been on the decline for years now. And at some point, you got to start fresh. And it's just weird to me that maybe Don Sweeney didn't want to do it right away. I think he did. I think he wanted to get there and, you know, put his imprint on the team or whatever you want to, whatever, however you want to frame it. But um, I'm surprised they waited until now because it's not as though the, the Bruins are underperforming compared to where they were two years ago or last year. They're kind of in the same spot. And so now, if we're being honest, I think they saw what happened with the Islanders where they fired their coach, they got the big boost, and they went from like last place in the East to like three points out of the playoffs, and the Bruins are already kind of two or three points out. So maybe they're thinking, hey – Let's bring in this Cassidy fella. He's going to take the same mediocre roster and get it going the same way that Doug Waite did, and and I'll look like a genius. Could happen. Yeah. Could I, you see? I'm. I I think I agree with a lot of that. I wasn't surprised that that Don Sweeney didn't fire him. Uh, in fact, I feel like you're seeing more and more of that where new GMs come in with an inherited coach and they and they don't make a change. And this just goes back to my kind of overall theory that today's modern day NHL GMs are just the biggest bunch of timid risk averse frightened little church mice that you could imagine and they're only interested in protecting their own reputations and protecting their own jobs it's why it's why they don't make trades it's why we have to have stupid looking standings that make bad teams look like they're better than they are and i think it you know if i'm don sweeney and i'm coming into a situation where i'm going to be a gm for the first time you know i know how this works i know that the guy who's been there longest is the guy who gets the hot seat if things start going bad. So if if things don't get off to a great start, I figure everyone's going to be pointing at Claude Julian. And until I make that move and, and make a coaching change, I'm pretty much safe. So I think you wait as long as you can uh, and, and then play like your one get-out-of-jail-free card. And now everything's going to turn on turn to Don Sweeney because he's going to be the guy who's, who's under the gun here. But... Uh, I, you know, I think he waited as long as he possibly could, probably waited too long, given that this felt inevitable for a long time. I'll say this, though. I, I I think the worst possible option was to just let it go and twist in the wind all season. And it seemed like that's what they were headed towards. I think they needed to either say very firmly and very clearly, this is our guy. We're not making a change for the rest of the season, period. Don't ask us about it again. Or you make the move. And, and obviously that's that's what they ended up doing uh and yeah i mean like there's a lot of people who are who are really i don't i don't know if i'd say upset by this move but but really uh bothered by the logic behind it and you know they're pointing out that the bruins underlying numbers are good you know it's 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 the shooting percentage it's the goaltending it's not those are things a coach can't really control but at the same time i mean you're you're headed towards missing the playoffs for a third straight year. It, it doesn't seem that unreasonable that you'd want a fresh voice somewhere. Uh, you know, even if it's somebody who's not doesn't have the resume of a Claude Julian. You know, I, I don't think it's that unreasonable that you'd want to make a change at some point and and just get a new face and a new voice back there. But like, what would you say is the Bruins' identity at this point? Like, what are they? Are they rebuilding? Are they are they a contender? Like, that, that's the thing I hate most about Don Sweeney's time there is. He got there. He's like, let me get some first round draft picks. Let me trade some guys here. Let me let me get rid of get rid of Lucic. Let me turn Martin Jones into a first round pick. But at the same time, he's not really tearing it down. He's not really no. going for it. And when you have a roster that's like in that middle spot there, 
there's only so much you can do with it. Like, I really think, yeah, a lot of it is, is Tukarask maybe isn't making as many saves as he should. His backup goaltender is actually the one that's not making any saves. That's not Claude's, that's not Claude Julien's fault. So I don't know how, Cass, like, I, like, like the thing is, if Cassidy comes in and turns it around, it's probably not necessarily going to be anything he's doing as a coach, as, as opposed to just maybe getting a few more saves from his goaltender, getting a few more pucks to go in on those 27 shot nights that Julianne was getting. That's, that's not really good coaching. That's, that's the thing about hockey is it's just, there's so much luck involved that you can stick in a Doug Waite who's never coached in the NHL before. And suddenly he's like, why? Maybe this guy's a Jack Adams contender here late in the year. Maybe this guy's a genius coach. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, yeah. I, I felt like you're right. It was inevitable. I think it's fine to do it. It's not like he's the reason why they were bad, but at some point, yeah, you got to kind of, you kind of have to drop the guillotine on the guy, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, you ask what their identity is. It, you're right. That's their identity is they're a classic stuck in the middle team. They're, they're one of those teams. They're in that the worst place to be dreaded dead zone. Yeah. The absolute worst place to be. I mean, you gotta, in the NHL, you either have to be moving forward or going backwards. Like those are, you just, you have to have momentum in one direction or another. You can't be, you can't be stuck in the middle. And the Bruins are that classic stuck in the middle team. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that's Don Sweeney's fault. I don't know if it's Cam Neely. I don't know if it's ownership. I mean, you know, we're, we're all so eager to always point to these teams and say, tear it down, rebuild, start over. But if the owner's not behind that, you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this, this is, it's tough. Cause you've got, you know, You've got Tuukka Rask still in his prime. You've got Patrice Bergeron in his prime. You've got Zdeno Chir, who hasn't been in his prime for a while, but I mean, is coming to the very end of his career. Uh, certainly, his hit the end of his time as an effective NHL player. You got you know Brad Marchand is you know developing into this uh, you know into a guy who who's hitting his prime. There's a part of you that's probably got to feel like we we got to strike while this iron is hot, but there just isn't the talent around it uh and you're right they're they're moving they're moving guys for first round picks then they're taking second round talent with those first round picks (laughs) and it's just like what's what's the plan what's the direction here it's just you know what i'm a former hockey player i know other former hockey players i got myself a sweet former hockey player job out of it and now i'm just gonna hang around and you know, show up at the arena and do some interviews, and then in two years I'll have some different job and I get fired. Yeah. It's, it, well, I mean, that's the other thing, right? This is we've talked about it before on this podcast. The, all these teams where it just happens that the guy making the decisions happens to be a beloved former player, yeah. uh, which is great when times are a little bit bad because it deflects a lot of the heat. But when times get it get really bad, what do you do? You know, what do you do when you're the Avalanche and you've got Joe Sackick? What do you do if you're the Canucks and it's Trevor Linden? You know, are you, you going to fire these guys? Or are you going to, you know, do the fans turn on somebody? And uh, does that, I don't does know. Does that ever it, work it out? Can get ugly. Like, think about how many teams have done that. Like, Dallas Dallas did the Brett Hall, um, who was he co-GMs with again? Les Jackson. He had the, the, Brett, the Brett Hall, Les Jackson thing. That, that, that led to Sean yeah. Avery getting a... Pat LaFontaine didn't work in two different organizations. Yeah. Uh, the Oilers have, I mean, Kevin Lowe got that situation. <laughs> How'd that work out? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it must have, there must be cases where, where it has, but in, yeah, certainly in recent history, especially now, like, I mean, to be a GM today, maybe 30 years ago, you just, you had to be somebody who knew a lot of people, had made a lot of friends and could 
could kind of schmooze your way through a conversation and and knew your hockey and that was enough and and these days i mean with the salary cap and everything you know the cba and the rule book and everything it, there's just so much more to it i i don't know how i don't know you know ron francis in carolina how's yeah you know how's that going it's <sighs> there's, it, there's just there's a lot of these situations and uh, to me it's just another example as to why you and i should have nhl general manager jobs because we have no hockey talent we've never played for a hockey team we have no ties to the right. team so just just saying if, if you want us to come in and handle the uh the rebuild in colorado me me and sean will we, we'll be co-gms we'll be like we'll be like brett hall and les jackson i'll be the crazy brett hall guy you be the smart you know even tempered les jackson guy and we'll we'll, we'll hang, sure. hang out for two years in denver they have free they have legal weed there it's great we'll make sean avery our big free agent <laughs> signing and everything will go beautifully oh dude did you see the story that from the new york times this morning by the way we didn't like pre-discuss this but the the concussion the concussion story that was that was out there no. Basically, a, a guy at the New York Times whose name I should probably know and should probably call up, but I can't find my mouse, so I can't scroll because I hate using the pad on the my, the MacBook. But essentially, he wrote about how, like, sixty years ago, when it came to like um, cigarettes and how cigarettes cause cancer, like all these scientists were like, "Hey, what's up? Cigarettes cause cancer." And then the cigarette companies were like, "Wait, hold on, we have our own scientists that say differently." It's like, well, you're paying those guys. That's why you're you're trying to 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 hurt the science as opposed to disprove that these people have cancer. And now the NHL is doing the same sort of thing with CTE after the NFL basically was like, yeah, CTE, that's a thing. And the NHL is still sort of basically digging their heels in on, on, on CTE, which is just, I, I mean, it's, it's bad. Like I get it from a business standpoint, but I, I I'm confused how in 2017, you know, we, we've already had the Will Smith movie. It, it's been a movie. It's called concussion. It's, we, we all know it's out there. I don't get how the NHL is still trying to make it seem like the science behind CTE isn't science, isn't good, isn't real. So basically, the New York Times had a really good thing today about that. Yeah, that's I, this like this is probably the biggest story in hockey right now that's not really getting covered very much. I, I mean, there's there's some some outlets that are doing a lot on it, and there's uh, but I mean, you know, I I feel like we might look back five years from now and go, oh yeah. I've met, Remember the first season we did the podcast? Like, why were we not talking about concussions for forty-five minutes every week? <laughs> you know, and I understand why we don't talk about it. But it's a it's a big, huge story. It's slow moving. It's complicated. It involves lawyers and and court cases and and all of these things that that sports people aren't very good at understanding and and covering. And you know, there's no like fun little narrative hot take we can drop on it and argue back and forth we could though if you wanted to we could I, I can just be like concussions are good and you can be like no dave they're bad and then people will like yell at me on twitter and then we'll get like a lot of buzz going we can do the steve simmons thing and just have a really bad take on something that could work <laughs> i hear that's effective it, like it's not exaggerating to say concussions and the lawsuits that are going to come out of this like this could be an existential threat for the nhl like this could be the sort of thing where like the league at some point does not exist anymore yeah, I, or doesn't exist in any form that we can recognize um, or even that the sport doesn't. I mean, you, you know, you're seeing some of that in football, but at, at the end of the day, the NFL has got a much bigger war chest to either fight this or to at least endure any sort of penalty. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the NHL. Yeah. This, this, this is something that I'm sure this is, the story that keeps Gary Bettman up at night much more than most of the other stuff that we're usually 
complaining about and, and saying that he should he should be looking at. Do you think he doesn't take this as seriously as my threat to stop watching hockey if they don't get rid of offside? You don't think that's 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 his probably no. not. That's probably like a, a close two. <laughs> He's probably not like driving home at night talking to himself in the car about like <laughs> Sean doesn't like the loser point again. <laughs> And you know this, all this other stuff. Yeah, this this is the sort of thing that that's a good that's uh, a good yeah, that's a good point though. Like I the way because like all right the so for like the fourth year in a row or the fourth year in a row for the second year in a row the the salary cap's not going to go up or not the second year in a row from the, from last year to this year it's going to stay at seventy three million supposedly and since uh, fourteen fifteen it's gone up like four million bucks. And part of me is like, that's that's just a lie. They're lying about how much money they're making so they don't have to pay the players. There's no way that you can have this many outdoor games and have all this attendance and have, you know, $4 billion a year and all the revenue thing and then be like, well, we can't give you more money because we just don't have it. But at the same time, it's like maybe they're digging their heels in and they don't want to admit anything because – like the, a lawsuit might actually break the NHL. Like you're right, the NFL, the NFL can just throw dudes out there headfirst into walls and just be like, "You're still going to watch. We're still going to get giant ratings, and you're still going to pay us a bunch of money, so we're fine." But the NHL doesn't quite have the same audience as um, tennis, for instance. So maybe, so maybe the guy Bettman has to do this because he knows if he admits it, he's going to be liable, and then he's going to have to pay a bunch of money, and then there'd be no more NHL. And there'd be no more biscuits, and there'd be no more us, and that's a chain. It's a chain reaction that um, uh, right. I'm actually for. We should we should stop doing the podcast the second the NHL no longer exists. Well, probably should. We're we're the real victims here. Yeah. I think, in in this whole situation, but no, I like Garrett Bettman's a lawyer. He's surrounded by lawyers, and, and that's why. Like I've I've sort of written before that, like I don't think people should get personally offended by anything that Gary Bettman or the NHL say in legal proceedings, especially around this issue. You know, that's, that's not to say that you should support them or that you should agree with it, but, like, they're they're going to say whatever they need to say to get the outcome that they need to get in this court case. Like John Mayer, say what you need to say. It's exactly. Say what you need to say. Gary Bettman and John Mayer <laughs> are exactly the same in this and only this very specific scenario. They both have tattoo sleeves and play the guitar. They're the same guy. Same guy. That's pretty good. Even for us, we're 15 minutes in. We've already ended the NHL. I mean, yeah, it usually takes like 45. Then we do some questions and then we go home. Like this is, this is, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, everybody. I was going to talk about like coaches getting fired, but I mean, I don't know. None of this seems to matter anymore now. You think anybody else gets fired the rest of the season or you think we're done? I think we're done. You think we're done? I don't know. I mean, like maybe like game 80, somebody will get fired, but I don't know if we're, I don't know if we have any more of those, like let's save the season firings. There's been a lot of those this year. You're kind of, you're kind of out of time for that pretty soon. Cause I mean, you're down. Well, I don't know how many still got. 30 games left. Yeah. Ish. Did you, I don't know if you saw the, uh, is, uh, whatever the, you know, like the, the casino that sends out all the hockey odds. Oh, Bovada. Jimmy Shapiro. Yeah. Every few days. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Shapiro sends out some new odds and everybody on hockey Twitter, like immediately screen caps it and <laughs> goes and posts it as if it's a scoop like this. God bless Jimmy. He's got this guy. I've never seen a PR guy get coverage like this. He one email. 20 tweets yep. from everyone. Dave, I um, thought these I thought these odds may be of interest to you. They're courtesy of Bovada. Every every email is the same and then everyone just grabs it and puts it up as quick as they can. Thanks for taking the time to read these. 
please feel free to like i've never contacted him with any other questions or anything like that but uh, uh, man jimmy needs a raise if jimmy's boss is listening to this jimmy has lindy ruff at seven to four john cooper at seven yes. two paul maurice at seven to two michelle tarian at nine to two michelle tarian that was a name i wasn't expecting to see yeah i mean they they just they just got throttled by the abs but you're not gonna fire him with 27 odd games to go i can see i can see I maurice wonder, like, i feel like that's maybe a an overreaction to to julian being available now because everybody links every french canadian coach <laughs> with montreal yeah that's not that's not a bad that's not a bad way to go though they should just alternate between Terrian and julian just those two guys are the only two montreal coaches <laughs> for the next 30 years just four or five years each back and forth and like you, you keep like the one guy on speed dial in case like the other guy has like you know a sickness in the family or something. Uh, Michelle, can you come in and uh, coach game thirty four for us? Yeah, sure, sure. But sure. like Kirk Muller has to be an assistant <laughs> the entire time. Like I'm next in line. Sure, you're okay, Kirk. buddy. Totally, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, Terry, and I need a lot. I need a lot better than nine to nine to two for him. Lindy Ruff, though, I, I feel like there's a little bit of smoke around that. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I feel like Jim Nill loves Lindy Ruff, and Lindy Ruff just put up 110 points last year, or whatever it was. I, I, I would, I would be amazed if he got fired before the end of the season. Amazed. Like, if they miss the playoffs, I don't. I see him getting fired in the off season, and once, like, once you start saying, "Well, this guy might be gone in the off season," you got to at least put it in play for. Yeah. For the for the regular season, I mean, they they list them at seven to four, which means if people don't don't speak gambling, that that means they're saying it's more likely than not that he does not get fired. Like none of these guys are likely to get fired, but they're saying that there's there's a little better than a one in three chance. Yeah, it's it's almost it's almost two to one for Lindy. I don't. Yeah. I feel like Paul Maurice has a better chance of getting fired than he does at this point because. This is like the second year in a row where like goaltending is going to again goaltending goaltending either wins you the Jack Adams or goaltending gets you fired and at this point he, he's mm-hmm. throwing he, he keeps throwing out Andre Pavlik every night which I, I get it man like the other two kids are having you know they haven't been good but I mean Andre Pavlik is not like let's say let's say you're sick let's say let's say you're dying you and 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 and, and someone's like hey I got I got these um I got these two uh. They're not FDA approved yet. They're not. They're not um, something that's available here. But like, we can get these medicines in your body to help you out. And you're like, I'm desperate. I need something absolutely. And they give you those yeah. two things, and they don't work. What do you do? Do you, do you do you look for a fourth option, or do you go back to like just taking you know herbal supplements, which which are the Andre Pavlik of of medicines? No, you do, you can't go back to that. It doesn't work. That's yeah. not going to make you better. You have to find something else, or maybe just stick with the two remedies from you know, Europe or Mexico or something like you can't keep going back to Andre Pavlik. Like that should get you fired. I'm just, I'm laughing because you started a conversation about the Winnipeg Jets goaltending <laughs> with imagine you're dying. <laughs> and I guarantee you every Jets fan listening to this was like immediately nodding. Yeah. Like, yep, uh-huh. Good metaphor. That's exactly. I like where he's going. That's with how this. I feel. Yep. Yep. We're slowly yeah. going to be in the grave soon because of our goaltending. <sighs> yeah. Paul Maurice to me is, yeah, I put him in the same category as Lindy Ruff. I see him being fired at the end of the year. But I guess, you know, the, the the other thing that comes into this is, okay, you've got Ken Hitchcock out there. We don't know if he wants to coach again. Claude Julien does want to coach again. We don't know if he'd want to to, to dive in this season. Uh, but that's that's two much better than usual names. Yeah. And you've got a few teams with openings, including Las Vegas, that, that 
can hire somebody anytime they want and is kind of lurking there. So, you know, you, now you start to wonder, okay, if, if you're a GM and you're already leaning towards, you know, in your heart, you feel like I'm making this move in the off season. Do you maybe make it now knowing that you could, you could get one of these guys? I don't know. I like, I feel like for Winnipeg, I don't know. I don't want to, Sorry, sorry, Jets fans, but I, I feel like maybe Winnipeg isn't going to be the destination of choice for right. the hot coaching free agent. You know, smaller smaller market team probably doesn't have the budget. But to... Winnipeg and hot don't go together very often. No, exactly. So... Dallas, maybe. And then the other one in their top three, there's John Cooper. And I keep going back and forth on this because in theory, this feels like a situation where you could make a change. He's, you know, all sorts of success, but he's also like, he's had that success, but there's also been that kind of undercurrent of like, does he get along with Steven Stamkos and, and you know, this and that. Drew N. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, that Like that one to me feels more like where there's smoke, there's fire than Lindy Ruff because maybe they can be him. And, and to me, that feels like a job that somebody might want to jump at yes. because this is a team that still feels like they're. I mean, they're they're going to get they're they're going to get screwed hard by the salary cap. But even after that's done, this is still a good core of a team that should be contending for a Stanley Cup. That would be the most criminal firing, though. Like he goes to the Cup final, the Conference final, and he goes to the Conference final last year, essentially without Steven Stamkos for the entire postseason and the end of the regular season. They put Stamkos back in for Game Seven for like four minutes for some reason. I still don't get why that was an option at that point. If he if if Steven Stamkos can't play more than eight minutes, don't bother putting him in at all at that point. If he's you know, four months yeah. removed, but like, imagine that you, you, you go through all that and then Steven Stamkos gets hurt again and you're still kind of hanging around a playoff spot. Like, I don't think Tampa's dead by any stretch. Like, and then you're just like, well, Claude Julian's out there. So we're going to have to let you go. Like, that's just, that's cold blooded, man. Like, I, well, but you know what, as you were saying that I was going to ask, I was going to say, what's the quickest somebody has been fired after going to a Stanley cup final. Hmm. And, the first one that jumped in my head is Michelle Therrien with the Penguins, right? They go to the final against Detroit oh, and right, lose, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he gets fired halfway through the next season, and they win the Stanley Cup that year. So, so here's what we do. We fire John Cooper. We fire Michelle Therrien. We put Michelle Therrien in Tampa. Michelle Therrien takes over Tampa and has the revenge run to the Stanley Cup final with a new team as he gets hired mid-year, and then we put Claude Julien in Montreal, and they, then it's... Well, let's just put John Cooper in Montreal. Oh, yeah? You think... Just in, introduce him as Jean Coupé, <laughs> and just see how long it takes him to to figure it out. I miss coach trades. We need more of these. Well, when was the last coach trade? There's only ever been one in the NHL. Michel Bergeron went from the Nordiques to the Rangers in, like, 88, maybe 89. They traded... A, and this is, this is, like, the the crazy Phil Esposito era when he was the GM of the Rangers and he was making like five trades a month and Bergeron was like, had one year left on his contract. I think the story was, was like half set as a joke, like, eh, you know, I trade a coach. And he was like, I'll give you my first round pick. <laughs> and they were like, uh, yeah. Okay. And they traded, traded their coach. He went to the Rangers. It ended up being the fifth overall pick. If you, if you can believe it, because it was still like a 21 team league back then. So, uh, the the Rangers either just missed the playoffs or maybe they maybe they they just snuck in, uh, and he didn't last long. I think he had like one or two years in New York, and and the Nordiques got a fifth overall pick out of it. But it it turned out not to like they didn't get a good player. It's like that would be the great punchline if you could be like, and they used that pick on Joe Sackick, and the rest is 
but it, it, it wasn't. But yeah, and after that, and I don't even know if, I don't know if the league actually outlawed it at that point. Because at the time, I think it was one of these things where it was like, the rules don't say you can do that, but the rules don't say that you can't not do it. So go ahead. I don't know if they actually have a rule in place against it now, but I, nobody. I mean, geez, yeah. these <laughs> these GMs won't trade their fifth round pick. They're not gonna. They're not gonna trade a coach. That would be amazing if the Rangers were like, "Look, we, we need a right hand. We need a right handed shot defenseman. Kevin Shattenkirk really fits on our team." And Elaine Vigneault's like, "Yeah, yeah, we could really use that guy." Oh no, 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 Elaine, Elaine, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. We're actually gonna send you to St. Yeah. Louis to fill Ken Hitchcock's opening there. Yeah. Just, You're going to St. Louis. Yeah, scouting trip. I like it. No? <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, uh, <laughs> he's like he's leaping through his contract for a no-trade clause. He's, he's like cursing in French to his agent. I, 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 how can they trade me to St. Louis? Boy, the NHL would be great if we ran it. <sighs> I miss it, huh? That's, that's, see, that that should be the, the rule. For, the rule of thumb for the NHL should be like, when in doubt, like what do other leagues do? NFL has coached trades. They should copy the NFL. Bill Belichick got traded. Yeah, but that hasn't happened in a while, though. Everything's boring. It's been a while, though. There was talk that uh, that Sean Payton could be up for grabs. Oh, that was when he was serving that suspension for the bounty stuff. No, right? even recently. It? It, recently, there was like a suggestion that the he the, the Rams might trade. Apparently, in the NFL now, you can't technically trade coaches, but it's like a, a situation where I trade you this for future considerations, and you let your coach negotiate a new contract with me kind of thing god we can't we can't even get we can't even get jerome mcginley traded hold on katie katie baker just pinged me on gchat while i'm sitting here trying to do a podcast ah busy katie can't do this right now (laughs) god what else we got today you wanted to talk about relocating teams i'm a i'm a big fan of this I, i i would like to see not only just three teams relocated i feel like every team should be relocated to a better city that's in a crappy city right now yeah, I, like we kind of went in the NHL this year, like almost like four or five straight weeks without relocation rumors and all this stuff swirling around. Uh, at like it, like everything got so crazy with the Florida Panthers, with you know the computer boys and missed taxi cabs and Donald Trump that we kind of forgot that we're supposed to constantly be talking about that franchise moving and uh, and then now yeah all of a sudden you got the Islanders getting kicked out of their arena. Good. You got the Coyotes Arena deal falling apart. See ya. And you've got the Hurricanes. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Potentially being up for sale, but Gary Bettman has come out and said they're definitely not moving. And Gary Bettman hasn't openly and blatantly lied about something like that for about five years <laughs> since, since the since 2011 when he stood in front of the media at the at, at the playoffs and said that somebody is making something up because there were stories that the thrashers could move to winnipeg and it was like 11 days later the thrashers moved to winnipeg he was the, the way the way the first story broke if you if you go back and, and search pierre lebron in that story and bruce garriock in that story 
it was me, Bruce, and Pierre. We were sitting in the San Jose Sharks uh, media like food lounge thing or whatever. And he was there for that game. I think it was a San Jose Detroit series, whatever year that was, 2011, I guess. And I worked for the NHL, so like I could not write anything. I just happened to be sitting there while like the the the, the interview was being conducted. So like I was basically just like a like a like a mute. I couldn't do anything. And he just sat. He was so he was so like oh guys, I don't know where these talks come from. Like we can't do it now. It's it's just not enough time. All this stuff. And then literally two weeks later, less than two weeks later. Atlanta no longer had a hockey nice. franchise, and ever since then, like I don't care what he says about anything at these, you know, State of the Union things. Like I just assume he's yeah. just saying a thing that's good for that moment, and he could be lying. Through that's his awesome. Team. I didn't know you. I didn't know you were in the middle of that. Is yeah. that is that when you got the top one hundred list too? <laughs> oh man, it, it, why don't we talk more about how like the Blackhawks have three of the one hundred best players of all time, and they're not even leading their division this season? How does that work? Yeah, this that's a shame. Yeah. The other those other seventeen players must feel really bad about themselves. <laughs> That you can't well, go back. Well, like which 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 t- which team do you, do you think should move the most? Like I think it's Arizona, but I think the team that that I'd like to see the move most is the Islanders because here in this area, three hockey teams is just it's stupid. Like move the Devils or move the Islanders. There's no there's no need for that many. Any team that existed when I was growing up, I want to stay forever. Like I want everything to stay exactly the way it was when I was a kid. So I like I grew up as the Islanders were in the middle of that dynasty and they like them and the Oilers were the most, two most terrifying teams. And I, it would feel really weird to see them move somewhere. Whereas, I mean, I don't know, Arizona, Carolina, you don't care about Arizona. Nobody has any strong feelings towards the coyotes. See, I feel like no one has strong feelings about the hurricanes. I feel like Arizona almost, and I know this is a very Canadian thing to say, but like a lot of it, it's just like enough. We we just don't want to hear it anymore. This the, the <laughs> constant, and I say that. Look, I know, I know there are diehard Arizona Coyote fans out there. I know there are diehard Carolina Hurricane fans who would be brokenhearted if the team moved. Uh, you know, I get that. I'm not knocking them. I'm not saying that they're any less of a fan than I am. But there's just not enough of them. Right. That's the thing. Is like like there's probably fans of this podcast. There's probably actually people out there listening to this right now that love it. But hey. Maybe at some point it goes yeah. away, and that's just that's just kind of how it is. If there's not enough support for something, it probably shouldn't exist anymore. And the Coyotes don't have any sort of that's the thing. Like Carolina, I feel bad for. I mean, they've won a cup, they went to another cup final, they've had success down there, and they've just been bad for a long time. They're kind of going through what the Thrashers went through, where like they just were bad for. I mean, the Thrashers were pretty much bad their entire existence, but now they're at a point where. When's the last time Carolina went to the playoffs? Twenty eleven. Oh, it's been like seven years. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. So now the fans are dwindling. I think that's why. Like, if your team is just that bad for that long in that kind of a market, like Arizona is, yeah. sort of basically, you're gonna get you're gonna get hammered. And I don't know if Seattle's the answer, yeah. but like, I would love to see a team in Quebec. That'd be awesome. I still feel like Quebec is that. Like every league needs one viable market that stays open that every other team can use as their blackmail to get taxpayer money for new arenas or arena upgrades or new parking lots or whatever it is. And I just feel like Quebec is being positioned as that. Like they're just going to, they're going to be the new Hamilton where Hamilton built this amazing arena in like 19, like the mid eighties. And it just sat there and sat there and sat there and never got a team. And you know, here's Quebec sitting there with this beautiful arena that everybody raves about. 
And I just, I feel like they're going to be linked with every single team that, that struggles remotely. Uh, and then we're going to be sitting there in 20 years and they're going to be like, well, we got to get rid of this old arena because it's decrepit and falling apart now. I like the idea of putting a team in Hamilton and then just like having like the cast of Hamilton, like do stuff during like TV timeouts and they can like sing and rap about like the, the hockey team there. Like, Hey, my name is Hamilton and I'm here to say we can win the hockey day. I'd, I'd make a joke about that being like a pop culture reference that wouldn't age well, but my country's only basketball team is basically named after Jurassic Park. <laughs> so I can't really, I can't really say anything. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Quebec's going to be held and I feel like Seattle is going to be the next expansion. Like there has to be, they need one more expansion. We can't be a 31 team league for, for very long. So like if, if like there was that story this week that Arizona, like team officials were seen touring these other arenas like that they were in seattle and they they really they put out a statement today that very strongly denied that but uh like i feel like the odds that the nhl lets arizona move to seattle when they know they've got 500 million sitting there for the taking in expansion in a few years uh, i don't i don't see them being okay with that oh man I know there's one more thing you wanted to get to, and I know this is this has been. I believe you. I believe I'm. Let's, wait, oh, whoa, whoa, do, you, do you know I'm going to go to? No. Oh, I was. I was. I was. It was. It was the offside review from last night. Yeah. Let's do. Let's do the offside review because that's that's kind of the one that that we're we're recording this on Thursday, so it was last night that there was like the most ridiculous review situation of the year. Like I, I feel like we. It's it's been. We made it halfway through the season without getting one of these things completely screwed up. But last night, Chicago, Minnesota, the the puck goes into the Chicago end, but it, it comes back out and Minnesota's got to clear the zone. And immediately the puck comes back into the zone. Zach Parise is still in the zone when the puck crosses the blue line. And, and like, obviously, like still three feet out. And then it, it and who was who was the player? The coil, coil, yeah. And then, it, you know, initially people saw that and they were they were free. They're like, this is this is so obviously offside. But Elliot Freeman from Sportsnet goes on Twitter and points out, no, it's not when the puck crosses the line; it's when it touches Coil's stick because that's when they've reestablished possession and they need to have cleared the zone by then. But even then, it like Parise still did not seem. He, he was still not onside. He never. He, he, never, he wasn't onside. Like I mean, it was offside. He never touched up. And they do a review. The review lasts for like six or seven or eight minutes. Uh, the the linesman is using an iPhone to do like not to look at it, <laughs> but to talk on the phone. Because I guess I, I'm assuming there was some sort of technical problem with the main system. So he's on his iPhone, which really bothered me because I've been in like half the arenas in the NHL, and I've never gotten more than one bar in any arena ever. So I don't know how this guy, I don't, I don't know who his carrier is or what his plan is, but I want that because he's like on the ice in the NHL and holding a conversation on his phone. But they do this big, long review and then they come out and they're like, yeah, it's inconclusive. The goal stands and you know, the and, and the play was not offside. What was inconclusive about it? How is it? How is that not? That's like the definition of conclusive, I think, unless I the, don't know. The, the argument word. for the NHL. The, the the argument the NHL was making is that we can't tell when the puck 
makes contact with the stick. Yeah, you can. Because again, that's what matters. It's not forget about like the screen caps you saw on, on Twitter where the puck was crossing the line. That's not what matters. It has to hit the stick. And they're saying that, you know, well, it's close. Maybe on this frame it looks close, but do we know for sure that it's touched the stick? And so I get that. But even then, like it, it's still, right. even if you gave him the benefit of the doubt and went a few more frames ahead to the point where it like, at this point, like pucks don't just stop on the ice without hitting a stick. So it, like he still didn't seem to be there. And then it was, what was interesting. I don't know what you guys got on the American feed, but up here on Sportsnet, they, they said, okay, you know, they showed the, the one feed that, that we all saw during the game a bunch of times. And then they're like, okay, wait, now we've got the one that the NHL looked at. The NHL wants us to see the feed that they were looking at because it's the camera from the other side. And like it, it was even more clearly offside <laughs> from that one. And there was just like awkward silence. And they're like, all right, let's just go to commercial because. Maybe what it was was, was since they couldn't communicate back to Toronto, maybe, maybe they couldn't get the accurate picture in the arena to look at it. So they just said, screw it. We'll just say inconclusive. This way we don't, cha- we don't maybe. change the call, which is still but bad. But you know what? Like they've, there have been cases before where there's been technical problems and they've said that they've just said like, because of technical problems, we couldn't, and that's better than, than faking it. You know, like you can't, to, to have the review go that long, because like, it was really long. Like, I mean, it, 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 it was, it was like seven or eight minutes is forever. And then, uh, yeah. And then I, uh, inconclusive goal counts. And just and then, you know, the NHL does its classic thing where they put out their explanation and the explanation just restates what we already know. <laughs> like after review, we reviewed this play to see if it was offside. After review, we determined it was inconclusive. So the call on the ice stands. Thanks. They never explain what's inconclusive. They never explain why the goal was overturned. Evidence showed that it was a goal. Well, can you, can you yeah. imagine going into court like that? It's like, well, why was he not guilty? It was inconclusive. No, no, no. I get that, but like, what what part of the evidence felt yeah. made you feel like it was inconclusive? Inconclusive. I gotta go. See ya. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. That's exactly what it is. So I, I don't know. Like, you're correct me if I'm wrong. Like, you, you just want to get rid of this altogether. Oh God, no! I love it. I did. You, you can't get this. Is <laughs> this is this is the exact reason why you can't get rid of it? Is because you can't have goals scored like this. It's not. Like the reason why that goal counted wasn't because the offside review existed. The goal counted because the offside review existed and they screwed it up. Like I get here here's I don't know, I'm I'm conflicted. I feel like as long as offside exists, you have to have this to prevent goals like this, even though this didn't prevent a goal like this. Like I, I get what people say where they're like, Oh, Marion Hosa's skate was a quarter of a of a fraction of a millimeter offside. That shouldn't count. The goal was scored twenty eight seconds later. Like I disagree. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that argument. But at the same time, I am I've come to the conclusion that there are just too many whistles in hockey games. There's just it's just too much. Like I hear people talk about how like, hey, wouldn't it be a great way to get more scoring is if on power plays you 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 couldn't ice the puck? No. I don't want to see the puck ice six times in two minutes, because that's what they're going to do. That would be terrible. And that's how I feel about offside at this point is I don't really get why it exists, to be perfectly honest. I don't understand the point of not allowing 
an offensive skater to slip behind the defensive skater inside that line that's been arbitrarily drawn on the ice for a hundred years. It slows the game down. It prevents scoring. It, it's now taking away goals that should be taken away. But at the same time, like, why are we taking those goals away? Like, why not just tell the defenseman to back up a little bit more and not get burned at the blue line? Like, I don't get why offside exists. So I, I would rather get rid of offside than get rid of reviews for offside. But you know me, I'm a radical, I'm a radical, crazy NHL commissioner. The thing is, I hear like I hear that idea fairly often, like whenever I'm complaining about lack of scoring, which is to say like four or five times a day, somebody's like, what if we just got rid of offsides? What's the downside to it? Like what, 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 what would you be? The downside is that the downside is that in this league, if you suggest making the nets an inch wider, (laughs) people lose their shit and start flipping out about tradition and you know so i i don't know i mean either either they would completely lose their minds over this idea or they wouldn't and then i'd lose my mind because hockey fans don't make any sense at all so i assume that they like they would riot in the streets if we tried to take out something as significant as the as the blue line and the offside rule or they wouldn't, and they'd be fine with it, in which case I would lose my mind because the intellectual inconsistency would just cause my brain to melt out of my ears. It, 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 and then there's this other part of me that's like, you know what, we could take offsides out and the game would be wide open and fun for like two weeks, and then the coaches would figure out a way to shut it down again. So you're more about banning coaches than, than getting rid of offside. I want to ban, I want to ban everything. You know what, <laughs> you know what made me so, so sad this week? When the Dallas Stars came into Toronto to play the Leafs, there was a quote in an article, and the quote was, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it off the top of my head, but I'm going to be pretty close. The, the quote was, "It you would rather win one nothing or 2-1 yeah, than 6-5. That was Jamie Benn. There's nothing more fun uh. than defensive hockey, which, like, <laughs> that's a terrible quote to start with. But if that was like a coach or a goalie, Maybe you're like, okay, but it, yeah, it was Jamie Benn, Art Ross winner. Art Ross winner and Art Ross runner-up the following year. Yes. Said two and ones owner better. of a $76 million contract <laughs> because of how much scoring he does. And he's like, I'd rather win 2-1 than 6-5. <sighs> and I'm just like, if like if he means that, then we're, then we're all screwed. Like, don't, it does, don't bother making the nets bigger. Don't take out the, don't do anything because this game will be 2-1 forever. These are the guys that these are the these should be the last guys who are fighting to to actually have some offense in this game. And if like if Jamie Ben's fine with two to one is better than six to five, then forget it. We're done. We're it's, it's such a broken league. It's such a broken, backwards thinking, slow to react league for everything. And that's like <sighs> if if the NHL in night like in 1996 we knew what was happening. Right, the Devils had 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 won the cup the year before with the trap. The Florida Panthers just knocked off Mario Lemieux and the Penguins and went to the Stanley Cup final. Like, at that point, somebody could have stood up and went, you know, guys, we got a problem here. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, you know, the, the scales are tilting to the defensive side. And, and instead, it, it's 20 years later. Like, at this point, like, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid have never been alive at a time where the NHL was a high-scoring league. Never. It's all they know. Never. Like... Half the players in the league right now have never played any level of hockey where the neutral zone trap wasn't just something that everybody did. So, you know, turn around now and be like, well, what if we made the goalie's pants slightly skinnier? Like, 
It's and I, and I'm pretty sure the first game they played in the NHL this year with the skinny pants was the Kings Flyers game that went to overtime and was zero zero in overtime. I think that was the first game. I might be wrong about that, oh. but I was laughing about that when I saw. It was like an afternoon game that day, and I'm like, wait a second, this is the skinny pants game with Peter Budai and Steve Mason, and no one can score a goal on these guys. Really? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know about you. I've been watching hockey for over three decades. I can't tell the difference between the skinny pants and the regular pants. I was standing in front of Henrik Lundqvist last night while he was at his locker, um, or two nights ago, while he had the pants still on, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, they're, 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 they're exactly the same. Like, there's not th- You're just standing there staring at Henrik Lundqvist's pants. Burning a just... hole in his crotch with my eyes, as I do anyway. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just natural when I'm at his locker. I can't help that. But, like, th- this thing with, like, with the skinny pants is, like, it's such an NHL thing, right? Because I had, I had somebody email me and they're like wait they're like explain me how this is fair they're making a change to the rules at an arbitrary point halfway through the season like some teams have played more games than other teams some goalies have played more games how can you make a change like this that's going to impact scoring levels in the middle of the season and it's like well the answer is it's not going to impact anything Anything. and they know that so they can just drop it in like some goalies were wearing them earlier in the season like and they're like you know what everybody just Wear whatever you want to wear. Just if you want to wear them, fine. If not, because it doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything. Guys are like baseball, like in like I don't know July. Told all first basemen they couldn't wear first baseman gloves anymore. They're just like, yeah, yeah, sorry, you got to use the same glove as everybody else. You can't use the big one anymore. No, no, no other sports league would do that. Middle middle of the season with an equipment thing, no matter how like minor it is, it's still such an NHL thing to do. To be like, well, it's February, time to start wearing different equipment. <laughs> okay, yeah. sure. Sure. Uh, but, uh, by the way, as a hockey dad, are you like? Do you like like fear the the day when your kid's old enough to ask you how how Tom Fitzgerald beat Mario Lemieux in a playoff series once? Like, how are you can explain that to him? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, how can I talk to my kids about this? <laughs> I I don't think I can. They're just going to be uh, like, I'm, I'm worried that they're going to like search through my browser history and be like, what are these videos? What well, 1984 Stanley? What was this? It's so fast. What? <laughs> Why does everybody keep scoring goals? Daddy, why are the What's goalies that? so skinny? Where's that red and white thing behind the goaltender? <laughs> oh, that's a net, son. Uh, you used to be able to see them. Uh, does mom know you watch these videos? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mom's mom's into it, too, actually. <laughs> so, uh, you know, don't tell anybody at school you saw this, but just just know that this, this is out there. And whenever you want to watch it, I'll yeah. take off the parental block so you can watch uh, you can watch Paul Coffey skate around in 1987. You can watch the good stuff. Oh, man. Seriously. Like, it's, that's a good point, though, because, like, yeah, like, like, like kids today, kids today, as I as I as I sit here in my old age kids today have no idea what they were missing from like the the early 90s even like like that like they, they've grown up in a, in, a, in a world where all that exists are three two games like that's that's their that's their that's their high point for hockey games pretty much a three two yeah. game it's so sad I, like I, I i mentioned something about uh you know like oh yeah back in the day when there were multiple 50 goal scores and 100 point guy i had somebody on twitter and they're like yeah, like I'm really sad that that like didn't happen in my lifetime. And I was like, yeah, that is sad. But I was like, oh, you're. I didn't know kids were on Twitter today. I like click, and it's like, no, the guy's like a college graduate. He's like 24 years old. Like, he's yeah, got two kids. Right. He's been he's been in the army. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been 20 22. And and the thing that bothers like, I would I I could handle it in a way if the NHL was just like, look, we're fine with this. We're a three two lead. We're a three two league. The games are going to be close. Every goal is important because there's so few of them 
we're fine with it. This is what we are. If you don't like it, go watch something else. Like I could at least respect that in a way. But every year it's like, no, no, we're on it. We've we've got it. Like that's I know scoring rates have dropped like two full goals a game in the last twenty years, but but hear me out. We're gonna change who puts their stick down first on a face off <laughs> in the offensive zone. And then they just all high five like Boom, done. Genius, Murph. Good job, Murph. And then a year later, be? it's like, yeah, no, that didn't change. That changed absolutely nothing. Okay, all right. What if we made the blue line an inch thicker? <laughs> yep, got it. Nailed it. Mic drop a year later. Yeah, no, nothing. What if we made the pants skinny? Go from 2.72 goals per game to 2.73 goals per game to 2.71 goals per game. It's just, look out, folks. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Oh, you wanted. To, oh, you wanted to do a thing where you were gonna. We were, were gonna do trade deadline betting lines, but I feel like we're we're running out of time here, aren't we? Eh, we got time. We probably are running out. We got a little. Although you, I think it would be funny if like some vice basketball podcasters like showed up at your door <laughs> apartment and started knocking and like giving you bad. Looks. Four millennials dressed in business casual standing outside my bedroom door right now, like just giving me looks. Like, <laughs> can we get in there, please? We got to do our meeting now. Yeah, we're free. We're free to do whatever the hell we want. We can, we can, we can do the, we can do the trade deadline betting lines if you want to do Let's that. Do Let's do them. Let's do it. We'll go long. We'll go long today. We're gonna go long. Tim. Suck it, Tim. <laughs> all right, man. You're working overtime. <laughs> this is this is a piece that I wrote earlier this week for Sportsnet. Coming off of the Super Bowl, I figured that the NHL's Super Bowl is coming up, which is, of course, the trade deadline, not the Stanley Cup no, final. Nobody cares about not. that, but the the trade deadline, and I figured, you know. That with Super Bowl, you can bet on anything. You can bet on national anthems and what color hair people will have and all that sort of stuff. So I figure we should be able to gamble on the NHL trade deadline. So I took the liberty of setting some odds for the deadline, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you those odds, and you being the degenerate gambler that you mm-hmm. are, you can let me know what bet you want to take. All right, fire away. The first one was just I – we won't do them all, but I, I did uh, just over-under on total trades. And I've got for deadline day – I set the over under at 21 and a half. And then I've also got deadline week and deadline month, but they both kind of follow this. I mean, really it comes down to last year. I think there were 19 trades. So wait, so like last, last year, would you have counted like that? The Tyler Myers, Winnipeg, Buffalo trade as part of the deadline or no? Well, see, I've got, I've got deadline day. I've got deadline week and I've got deadline month. Okay. So 21, 21 for deadline day, 21 and a half deadline day. 34 and a half deadline week, 38 and a half deadline I'll, month. I'll take the under on the month and the week and the over on the day. I feel like there's I feel like there's going to be enough. I feel like that between now and and February 28th or March 1st, whatever it is, there will be Oh wait, yeah, technically it's March 1st, so deadline month and deadline day and deadline week are all the same thing, right? <laughs> ah, I found the hole in your odds. I'm going to make millions. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, deadline week is the the weekly. So February twenty third to the first. Deadline month is basically February. February okay, and the deadline. Yeah, I I feel like there I feel like there's there's too many teams in it now for the number to get up there until the end of it. But I feel like by the time we get down yeah. there, we will have a decent number of. I, I feel like there's going to be more B level guys traded this year than usual. So I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over over twenty one and a half. All right. See, I and and the thing is. The other factor that that plays in here is the Golden Knights, because we don't know when they're going to be allowed to trade, but there's talk that they could be allowed on deadline day or even before. Oh. And I think if they are, like, I could see them making a lot of moves. I thought they were post deadline; they were they were able to trade. I thought like once the NHL well, teams now did their thing, then they could do whatever they want. Yeah, 
that and that was that was the thing but then it was kind of like i think some of the teams were like well wait a second i need to know what i'm going to do with with vegas to help me know what i should do at the deadline and vegas was kind of like yeah you can't let all these guys trade with each other and then we drop in i it, like it's still up in the air is my understanding okay so you know that's kind of an unknown vegas aside I, I, i'll stick with my thing if vegas is involved that then then I, I want my money back on my bets okay which canadian team makes the most trades between now and the trade deadline i'll, I'll do i'll give you the list vancouver canucks two to one montreal Canadiens seven to two uh, Flames six to one, Senators seven to one, Oilers nine to one, Leafs twelve to one, Jets twenty to one. Yeah, because the Winnipeg right. Jets don't. They don't trades. do anything. Um, ooh, those are those are. I think those are those are really good odds you set there. I don't I don't see any uh, I don't see any holes there in the house for me to take advantage of. Um, so basically, it's whether or not I feel like Vancouver will tank enough to trade enough guys away, or if I think Montreal will go all in. And trade for a bunch of guys. Yeah. Oh. yeah, or I mean, the other thing with Vancouver is like they're kind of they've kind of got two roads ahead. They could they could decide they could realize they're bad and decide to tank, or they could stick around the playoff bubble and decide that they're good and go out and make a bunch of moves to like bring in reinforcements yeah, for their big playoff run. That is true. They are stupid. They might think that, which would be the saddest thing. <laughs> they, they, they trade for Shane Doan for a first round pick. <laughs> I'll go Montreal. I feel like Montreal is gonna yep. they're they're gonna they're gonna push their chips in and add add a bunch of well that's the thing though is like teams that go all in don't make as many trades as teams that are breaking it apart. Oh wow, this is a tough one. What's Ottawa's? What's what, what, what's Ottawa's? Odds? I put Ottawa at seven to one. Yeah, right in the middle. I'll go Montreal. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on Montreal okay. going all in and going for it. Uh, American teams. I don't. I won't. I, I listed a bunch. I, I don't know. I won't go down the whole list. But who, who would you have as the favorite hmm. who do you think is making the most trades see the way the nhl is like remember back in the day when like a team like the caps and the penguins who were like built to go for it would go for it to deadline they'd add like a third line yeah. center you know a couple of fourth liners defensemen like they're so like the red wings were yeah. used to do that they'd, they'd bring in like four guys like veteran guys are just like and and they'd br- they grab some guy like some other team's first line winger and they'd be like you play on our third line now and they'd be like all right Let's do right. it. Hey, Luke Robitaille, go play on the fourth line and win a Stanley Cup. You you got it, boss. Yeah. Oh boy, the the. I listed my I, I at the top of my list. I had the Colorado Avalanche, and then the Coyotes for obvious reasons. The two yeah, the two sellers. I was thinking Coyotes. And you know the the thing that I found like I put the Avalanche ahead because I figured they've got more, like they could actually be looking to break up the core. And I, I feel like they've got more attractive pieces than the Coyotes, who have kind of been doing this for a few years already. But I got—I heard from a bunch of Avalanche fans who are like, they're not going to do anything. They have like no confidence that that Joe Sakic is going to do what he needs to. I'm going to go Coyotes because I feel like all the dudes they're going to trade are all like role player type of guys, and then like Shane Doan, who doesn't want to go anywhere. But I, uh, Colorado teams never break up their core until the summer anyway and they have a lot of those guys to trade so to me arizona like like i could see i i'm also going to bet on john shake getting fleeced and feeling like he's making good trades and he's going to make a bunch of them and then three years later we're going to find out he shouldn't have made those trades i i'm going to go i'm going to go arizona i, I think they're going to make like four or five deals i'm going to go i'm going to go coyotes right. that's good you get get decent odds on yeah. that all right let's uh, we'll wrap up I'll do the last few. These are these are kind of quick over unders. Okay. Uh, first round draft picks traded between now and the deadline. Over under two and a half. Under under. Eh? 
It's it's weird. There's like every team has their still has their first round draft pick this but, year. But, but like this goes back to my thing where all the all, really like weird. all the teams that are that would go for it, Washington, the not the Rangers, yeah. Washington, Pittsburgh, all those teams don't have the Chicago. They don't have the cap space to take on a guy you would want to get back for a first round pick. So, and I think the Rangers are probably the one flip side of that. Is is like I think it was Craig Custance wrote a, a thing where he Never said heard of him. the fact that the draft is so weak this year, like a late first round pick is the equivalent of a second. Like it's not, it's not even if I, I mean, if even if if you're a playoff bubble team, like the fifteenth pick of the first round isn't going to be very good this year. Yeah, but put that aside. I bet you the fifteenth round, the fifteenth pick in the 2017 draft is going to be like a future hall of famer. <laughs> and then we'll own Craig Custance on Twitter. So. We'll laugh at him. Yes. All right. So you said under, okay. Between now and the deadline, how many trades will be made involving a player who has ever had a 70 point season? And this is kind of my complicated way of saying like how many big name forwards yeah. are going to be true. So a Ginla for sure. I set the over under three and a half. Okay. So you have a Ginla. A Ginla is kind of the free. Shane Doan had a 70 point season. He has to. He has. Right? Yeah. So Shane Doan would count. I feel like he's not going to get traded though. I feel like he's so mm-hmm. in love with that franchise that he doesn't want to go anywhere even to be a potential Stanley Cup champion. So I'm going to say. Let me throw you some other names that would qualify. Yeah. Matt Duchesne. No. Thomas Fanick. Yes. Patrick Sharp. Mm. Uh, Jordan Eberle, Thomas Placanic, Mike Ribeiro, and Yammer Jagger, who I don't think is getting moved, but it would be fun to think about. What, what, what was the over-under at? Three and a half. God, you know what you're doing with these numbers. I was, I'm thinking it's going to be three, and there maybe there's a fourth wildcard guy. I think that's where I figured, too. Yeah. I think I had it at, I thought three, but I could see four. Another one, how many goalies? who have played in the NHL this year are traded between now and the deadline. I set the over under at four and a half. Oh, I'll take the under on that. I, I was, I, I was going to say yeah. zero. <laughs> really? <laughs> because, all right. Again, it's the same sort of problem. It's like, no one's going to want Mark Andre Fleury. Maybe T- uh, Tampa, maybe might do something with one of their guys, but like what other, what other does Vancouver? Well, Vancouver's going to have Ryan Miller. If they decide to rebuild Ugh. Brian Elliott's contract is up. Islanders are trying to find someone to take Halak. Steve Mason's could be a rental. And the, the thing with this, what's tricky about goalies is if you trade for a goalie, you almost have to trade away. Oh, so you're 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 doubling up there with every single trade. You kind of potentially get in a situation where you double up. Let alone, you know, there's some backup is going to get traded. I feel, I feel like those trades These have happened already, though. Like because Ottawa's already got Mike Condon, Maybe. Toronto's already got McElhenney. Like who's all right? So you're a hard under. I'm going to go that. under. All right, last one. Over under biggest trade total players and draft picks, and again I, I broke that. I've got deadline day over under four and a half, deadline month seven and a half, which sounds huge. For total any draft pick doesn't have to be a first rounder. Right? Picks and players, oh, picks. right? Wait, 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 wait. What's total assets in the trade? Altogether. Oh, in one trade. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> I'm gonna go under. I, I can't. I can't see the. I can't see there being. A, a seven asset trade. Yeah, that's that. It sounds high. It, here's the thing: in looking at it, each of the last few years, there's been something in that range. And in fact, last year, like there were two last year. The 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 Leafs and Senators, the Dion Phaneuf trade was like nine players and a pick. But then the Senators made a trade. I'm trying to even remember who it was with. The Sabers, I think, they made a, a nine, a eight or a nine player trade. And it was nobody you'd ever heard of. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous trade of all time. Like nobody, not one player 
that I had ever heard of was in that trade. But uh, like the the thing with these is you got to remember that this 50 player contract limit comes in to play. So suddenly you have these traders like, I want Jerome McGinley. Okay, I want your second round pick. Okay, but can you also take these three guys? Yeah, but then I need you to take this guy. Okay, and, and suddenly it's like a seven seven asset trade, even though there's only one good player in it. I don't know, because like to have a seven asset trade, you have to have either a dude that's really good, who's worth all of it, and you got to build around it, or you have to have like the Toronto Maple Leafs tanking, where they're just going to throw you a bunch of dudes with like giant contracts. And I don't know if there's either of those things available at the deadline this year. That's my that's my rationale for the under there. But yeah, yeah, that's it's 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 quite possible. I don't know. You get you get some weird weird stuff going on sometimes. But uh, yeah, all right. So you're on the under. As long as Romagin lives in Oilers, you'll be happy. That's all I know. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited for that Romagin <laughs> to the Oilers. I'm still hoping. Like, there's still a part of me. That's like Ryan Miller back to the St. Louis Blues. Let's do it again. Oh, God. Take two. Boy, you're such a masochist. What could go wrong? Could go wrong. All right, let's do, a, let's do a couple of reader questions and then get, get, Tim, get Tim out of here. As usual, since I asked for them, they're, they're kind of weird. Julian Brown wants to know, what's better, wheat thins or triscuits? Triscuits. I was going to say wheat thins. Triscuits are a little too, a little too dry. They're like it's like it's like, a, it's like shredded wheat without the frosting. I can't I can't have that. Um, Troy Wigurski, uh, producer. Oh, Tori Wigurski, not Troy. Uh, he or she wants to know. I can't tell by the avatar if China agrees not to go to war with us, and we have to give them either one state or we have to give them one U.S. state and one province. Which state and province do we give them? Texas for sure down here. They, you can have Texas. I see. I feel like we can get them on a technicality because we could give them Prince Edward Island, which is like <laughs> literally an island. There's like eight people living on it. Wait, is Prince Edward Island? Oh no, no, no. that's that's Newfoundland that has like its own half a time zone, right? Yes, oh, uh, they got the half hour. Okay, which is unacceptable. This one feels like it's it's directed at you specifically. Uh, Josh High Glove Side Twenty Five wants to know: Would you change your life with Austin Matthews right now? If it meant that your personality ceased to exist, so you would just become Austin Matthews and like your brain power, your brain memories and everything would go away. <laughs> what, do, what does he have to become me? Because I couldn't do that to somebody. <laughs> He's brought joy into my life. That would be a horrible thing to do to him. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade. I'd, I don't want to be him. I want to I, I want to sit on my couch and watch and yell instructions uh, and uh, yeah, and just live vicariously through his success without having any of the actual pressure or any of that other stuff. No deal. I, I like the idea of like you keeping your personality and him keeping his, then him yelling at you on your couch with your kids around, like screaming about what a loser you are. Like, come on, come on, Sean. I, I feel like, and I mentioned this somewhere else. I feel like with Austin Matthews, he's been so good that we've all just kind of collectively agreed to not notice the fact that his facial expression never changes. Yeah, he's, he's emotionless. Like he was like, yeah, it's like they, they, accidentally like the graphic designer only programmed one facial expression for him and we're just all supposed to like joy sadness everything he looks exactly the same all the time and we're just oh, okay that's fine like jonathan taves thinks this guy needs to mix it up a little bit on the <laughs> uh let's do a couple more q q sally 37 wants to know if a canadian team wins the cup will they visit the white house uh mm. it's been so long i don't i know i I don't think uh, 
I don't think Canadian teams visit the White House. I think uh, I think maybe like I think the Blue Jays may. Have. Yeah, that's the one I was going to say. Right. I feel like I remember them going to the White House, but that's like a because it's all you know, it's all Americans. But I don't think, yeah, no, I I don't see any Canadian team uh, going to. I I don't. Where does Justin Trudeau live? They just go to his house. Is that how it works? You just literally go. Yeah, it's Canada. You just walk right in. And <laughs> I joke like that. That happened a few years ago. Like somebody just literally walked into the prime minister's house with like a like a plastic knife and fork and <laughs> like the prime minister's wife had to take them down or something it was pretty we got quite quite the crack security team up here they walked in with some beaver tails and we're just like hey want to have some beaver tails eh yeah, uh, i hear these are good i'll do one more mike that's three m's and an i k e says have you ever heard of buttering pop tarts i haven't no <laughs> Why would you do that? He says, I have a friend who does it, and it makes me think it's super weird. Your friend is super weird, yeah. Mike. Nobody, Your friend's weird, nobody butters pop Don't be tarts. friends with that person anymore. Wait. Don't. That's not, that's not a friendship that should continue. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for uh, the 14th edition, the 14th installment of Biscuits. Uh, thanks for listening. Go on to iTunes and subscribe the hell out of us man like subscribe and then just like let it sit there in your in your phone and never go back to it and then like when you see they're not downloading automatically anymore just go back and tap the thing so it downloads that's uh that's that's great for us and leave us some some ratings and some reviews and thanks for the questions and thanks for listening and uh yeah go buy our book the 100 nhl uh things of a list um of players and uh, whatever it's called, our book is called, and um, that's that's uh, that's all I got to say. What do you have to say? That's uh, that's yeah, that's pretty much it. Check me out on Twitter at Down Goes Brown. Check out uh, the Vice Sports uh, Friday NHL Grab Bag, which uh, this week we're going to uh, go back to 1981, and Sabres legend Don Edwards is going to teach us uh, all about proper goaltending habits. <laughs> as they were practiced in the early 80s when everybody had a 4.5 goals against average and 850 save percentage. So you'll learn a lot. But is it just like all things like don't don't smoke between periods if you give up two goals, you don't you didn't earn the cigarette. It's honestly it's like 90% incredibly weird stretching. <laughs> and I spent way too much time making like making gifts of this guy just doing weird like oh. rockets kicks across the blue line and stuff. It's yeah, there's no way anybody actually ever did any of this stuff but uh, Wait, you buried the lead you 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 make you make your own gifts i, do. I didn't know you were yeah. a gift maker that was the thing like, it was a, it was like a leftover grantland skill that that i have oh wow they taught me how at some point in fact i think i'm still using the account of like one of the grantland people they're probably wondering why they're getting a, a bill every <laughs> month <laughs> All right. Well. Going and checking the account, and it's just Don Edwards doing the splits in weird ways. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading, and uh, I guess we will uh, see you next week when we will be together again. Goodbye. See ya. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.